Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Melee. Nothing personal. Word of the day is melee. A melee. A melee broke out last night. With everything going on in sports, the NFL finds a way. They make the headlines. It's the number one sport. It's the number one rated sport. It's the number one ranked sport. It's the number one broadcast revenue, national team values. No matter what metric you use, fantasy, gambling, it's the NFL. So they have these Thursday night packages where they have national games Thursday night. They have a national game Sunday night and a national game Monday night. So everyone gets all excited what the matchups are going to be. It gets released in a big schedule reveal. And the game last night, in the middle of who would have thought NBA finals, MLB playoffs, there's a regular season game. Schedule comes out, the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos. John Elway against Joe Namath. Maybe it's Mark Rippon's nephew against Joe Flacco. Well, either way, it's a huge game. These are two undefeated teams going at it in week four. How amazing to have two 3-0 and teams. And in order to believe that both teams are 3-0, and you have to do what I do when I watch the game. I watched it through a mirror. Because when you watch things through a mirror... It becomes opposite day. Your left side is your right side. Your right side is your left side. When you look at the little zit on your face, you can't figure out, is it on the right? Is it on the left? So I watched the game through the mirror so I could pretend it was two 3-0 and teams. I ignored the fact that Adam Gase is under fire, that he's terrible, that we've talked about him nonstop on nothing personal. I was excited to see what would happen during the course of the game because when the Jets are playing and they're undefeated, Good things are going to happen. There's going to be content. Vic Fangio, head coach of the Broncos, working for a former player. He was all right. His boss is a guy named John Elway. John Elway was a uh, he was a fine quarterback. You know, nothing terrific. I don't, he may have won a Super Bowl. He may have he may be in Canton. I can't remember. You know, he's fine. He's an executive. He may have won a Super Bowl as an executive, but I think that was because of Von Miller. Maybe because of Adam Gase. So they play each other, and I'm watching the game back and forth, going between baseball. Because the game's in baseball, you can have an entire football game, and then you're in the fourth inning of the baseball game. And I'm trying to figure out how these teams got to be undefeated. So I'm looking through the mirror, and I'm watching them play, and then there's a this flag that comes out, and even in the mirror, the flag is yellow. And then another yellow flag, and then another 15-yard penalty, Roughing the passer, personal foul, another personal foul. Then the quarterback of the Jets, a guy named Trevor Lawrence. Yes, that is their quarterback. I understand. I know he's still in college, but he's their quarterback. So Sam Darnold gets hurt, falls on his shoulder, leaves the game, comes back in the game. The defense of the New York Jets, another one penalty, 
And I start thinking, who is the defensive coordinator for the New York Jets? And I see it's a guy named Greg Williams. And he is an amalgam. His parents are Greg and Marsha Brady. Do you get that, Coca? That's actually clever. Do you know who Greg Brady is? That's a show called The uh, um, Brady Bunch. And it stars a guy named Barry Williams. But his name is Greg Brady, I think. So get it, Greg Williams. No, anyone, anyone, Bueller, Walker. Anyway, so Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator for the Jets. Very famous. Do you know why? There was something called Bounty Gate when he was with the New Orleans Saints. Bounty Gate is when he would pay his defensive players to hit and hurt offensive players. So Greg Williams has a pretty bad reputation. I got a bad reputation. I don't think I'm singing that right. Who sings that song, Bad Reputation? Is that Joan Jett? I got a bad reputation. Anyway, Greg Williams, he's a headhunter. That's what he is. So these personal fouls are being called. The Broncos are getting angry. They're trying to remain winless. The Jets have a lead late in the game, 28-27. They're trying to remain winless. And then it fell apart. The Broncos end up scoring 10 points. They win 37-28. And after the game, it was fascinating to watch. Vic Fangio, the coach of the Denver Broncos, had his team leave the field immediately. Not because of COVID, but in the NFL, during non-COVID times, after the game, the two coaches run to midfield, surrounded by security people, surrounded by players and cameras. They shake hands. They whisper in each other's ears. They give a hug. Hey, great job. Great job. See you later. Good luck next time. And they leave the players. Sometimes they form a prayer circle. Sometimes they just do a jersey swap. Sometimes they shake hands. They hug with their shoulder pads where you can hug super hard. During times of COVID, maybe it's a little less personal. But either way, there is fraternization. But after the game, it was very noteworthy because the Broncos made a beeline to the clubhouse. No shaking hands, no celebrating. They were pissed. And the reason they were pissed is that they felt as though Greg Williams and Adam Gase and the New York Jets were unprofessional. Too many penalties, too many personal fouls. They didn't play the game the right way. So Vic Fangio, in my opinion, when I watched it, was saying, hey, you guys are pieces of dung. I'm not even acknowledging you. I'm off the field. And I'm going about my night. I'm ready to watch the rest of the Dodger Brewer game until 630 this morning. I'm just, I'm good. And then Vic Fangio says, no, no, this was not COVID. This was not because I was so angry. This is, I wanted to get my guys off the field, he said, because I thought there'd be a melee because my guys were upset. I'm good, but I want to avoid the melee. So Adam Gase is asked about, and Adam Gase said, you know, I guess Vic is probably smart. I don't think Vic is mad at me. I know Vic, we go back a long time. I think he was trying to avoid an issue. Well, I would like to have seen that issue because let's see what Roger Goodell would have done during times of COVID when instead of the post-game love, there's a post-game all-out brawl like you're in Slapshot. Hockey alert. We just made a hockey reference, a movie that Coke has never seen, never heard of with Paul Newman. It's called Slapshot, where they fight during the anthem in one of the classic scenes of any sports movie. So then the Jets go back to the clubhouse I look in my mirror and the Jets are still undefeated. The Broncos all of a sudden have one loss. 
And I'm wondering what Woody Johnson's doing after the game. Woody Johnson, is he worried about Trump having COVID? That happened overnight, by the way. Our president and the first lady were both diagnosed with COVID. You know, people on Twitter, Coca, are insane. I, I love it. I want more followers because I judge my self-worth through followers and through likes and retweets. I try not to go for click stuff, but I try to be funny and clever and interesting. But Twitter is just full of vitriol. I don't, I'm good if you don't like Trump. I'm good if you like Trump. I'm good if you vote for Trump. I'm good if you don't vote for Trump. As, I, as you know, you got to vote. I don't want anyone to die. Because do you know who Donald Trump is to a bunch of kids? He's grandpa. He's not president of the United States. He's not a celebrity TV host. He's just grandpa. And no matter what you think about his kids, he's also dad. I don't want him to die. I don't want anyone to die because of an illness, even when people get sick because they didn't act appropriately. That doesn't mean you wish ill. I don't like when people die in a car crash and when they weren't wearing a seatbelt like Princess Di. That happened many years ago, Coke. I don't know if you know who that is, but she died in a car crash. Of course, it would have been better to wear a seatbelt, but that doesn't mean you want that outcome. Why people are saying that they don't care, that's what makes everything wrong in the country. I do care. So the Jets finish. There's a segue back to sports. The Jets finish. Woody Johnson, maybe he's worried about Trump. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's worried about his team. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's worried about England. Maybe he's not. Remember, he's the ambassador to the UK. Maybe he spoke to his brother, Chris Johnson, after the game and said, hey, Chris, are we making a change here? Because we got to get rid of Gase. And Chris said, listen, I came out and said the guy's brilliant. He's the perfect one. Woody, didn't you get my text? I told you I was going to go out and say that Adam Gase is our guy, that we stand firmly behind him. Let's not be those owners who stand behind a coach, but it's really eyewash. And then we fire him. And what are we going to do? Promote Greg Williams? He's the most hated guy in football. We're going to end up getting fined. You're going to lose more money than you are on the market. Although maybe the rich are getting richer right now. So you're not going to make as much money as you are on the market. Can't promote him. Well, I've been telling you nothing personal that Adam Gase has no chance of seeing 2021. That's a way to see that I'm not going to take credit for until he's actually fired. But it's a guarantee. The question is, do you make a midseason change? In baseball, we were fine with midseason changes. It's no problem. You bring in the manager, fills out the lineup, and you're on your way. In football, it doesn't work that way. If you bring in a new coach, they have to come in with all new plays and all new playbook. Everyone's got to learn it. There's short weeks of practice. You can't be in pads as much as, as uh, you'd like to be. It's just difficult. Also, if you're trying to get Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback because you realize that Sam Darnold is not good enough and you're looking for the next Joe Namath from 50 years ago, maybe Trevor's the guy. We thought tanking for two was something. It's now tanking for Trevor, which just goes to show you every year there's tanking for somebody. There's always the next guy. The Jets have gone through quarterbacks the way I go through toilet paper. There's a lot of reasons not to fire Adam Gase right now. 
but the public pressure is overwhelming. So what do you do when you've got that public pressure? Bad owners bow to it. Good owners ignore it. I don't know that they will be able to ignore the cry for Adam Gase's job. They came out and said he's not going to be fired tomorrow. He's not going to be fired today. He's not going to be fired last night. They didn't mention anything about Saturday or Sunday or Monday. The Jets play again, not for 10 days. I assume they play the following Sunday, a week from Sunday. It says here that Adam Gase will not get fired this week, but Adam Gase will be fired before 21. I'm going to stick to that. Melee. Nothing personal word of the day. How about LeBron? Game two of the NBA Finals tonight. Yeah. We got two, only two. Do you know how spoiled we are? There's only two MLB playoff games today. You've got the Marlins and the Cubs, and you've got game three of the Cardinals and the Padres. That's it. That's all there is. I'm used to eight games. I'm used to going crazy and being overstimulated. Reference to yesterday's show. Also game two. No Bam out of bio. No Goran Dragic. They're both hurt. Lakers are favored by nine and a half when they were favored by six, which means Goran and Bam are worth three and a half points. Not sure, not sure I understand that. I would think they'd be worth more. Although maybe none playing. He's that great rookie. He finished second in rookie of the year and then Spolster stopped playing him after he tested positive for COVID. Not that that was related. He just was out of the rotation beginning the playoffs. Now he's going to have to play and he's good. So there's a media day in between games in the bubble and LeBron went off. And as a Miami Heat fan and as a Miamian, I found it incredibly sad and depressing listening to LeBron talk. He spent the majority of his interview talking about his relationship with Anthony Davis. You remember that Anthony Davis played for a team called the, um, God, I want to say the New Orleans Pelicans, but I could be wrong. I think Anthony Davis played for the Pelicans. LeBron loved him from afar wanted Davis to be traded to the Lakers, wanted a running mate. That trade ends up happening. Remember when the Lakers traded half their team to the Pelicans, who then got Zion Williamson, by the way, and they're going to be really good. And Davis goes to the Lakers, a great one-two punch. LeBron, for no reason, it wasn't part of the interview, went into an entire monologue about why his relationship with Anthony Davis is so special. And what he said was fascinating. He said, the reason why we get along so well is that there is no jealousy. I'm not jealous of him and he's not jealous of me. By saying those words, he was calling into question the relationship between him, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. He was calling into question, which we already sort of knew, the relationship between him and Kyrie Irving. He and Kyrie Irving won a title with the Cavaliers. He and Bosch and Wade won two titles with the Miami Heat. If you were just talking about Kyrie Irving, which is what everyone in Miami is hoping and saying that he was doing, why not say it? Why not when you're talking about relationships and you say that Davis is the greatest teammate I've ever had? You don't think Dwayne Wade's listening to that? Did he mean greatest on the field? Did he mean greatest off the field? Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are bosom buddies with Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. They're very close. They're like a unit. Carmelo, that whole group, 
is it possible that LeBron James left Miami not just because of a relationship with Pat Riley, but that not just that he wanted to go home to Cleveland, but also the big three was too big to share a locker room and a basketball court. It reminds me of a team from long ago that some of you may know about. It's called the Philadelphia 76ers, back when they had Moses Malone and Julius Irving and George McGinnis and World Be Free. And the discussion at that time in the NBA was, how are they going to play together? There's only one ball. They can't possibly make it. I never felt that watching the Heat in that four-year period where they went to the finals four straight years. I thought the dream is that they were best friends off the court, best friends on the court. They knew what each other was going to do on the court. They could sense it. They could feel it. They were the perfect symbiotic teammates. And then I thought about last night as I was thinking about today's show, why bands break up. We've reviewed and watched a bunch of documentaries like The Eagles, And we learn that it is very difficult for bands to stay together, like the Beatles, because ego gets in the way. And when ego gets in the way, it impacts your performance on the field and it impacts your performance off the field. There is no worse sin. By the way, was this one of the seven sins in the movie with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, Jealousy? Is that one of the seven sins, Coca? I know like gluttony and I, I, I would assume jealousy is jealousy is actually the worst sin you could have. Have you ever looked at someone's house or looked at someone's car, or looked at someone's job, looked at someone's life and said, wow, I want that. And then you realize that there are more people who don't have a lot of money who are happy than people who do. Jealousy, the root of all evil. One of the great accomplishments you can have in life is to be satisfied. And I don't mean that as a negative. We watch, have you ever seen Hamilton, the Broadway show, or it's on Disney Plus? There's a big song about satisfied. Coca just whispered and wrote on what the uh, seven sins are. Pride, greed, lust, envy, that's jealousy, gluttony, wrath, anger, and sloth. Oh, I love sloth. I like being a sloth from time to time, melting into the couch. Coke, I lost the plane. It's Friday. I lost it before I was reading about sloth. We were talking about Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, and Tony, uh, Anthony Davis, but we, we were making a point. We're going to have to rewind the show to remember the point we were making, which we don't do because we do it live and we don't stop. So I think I'm just have to go back to the fact that when jealousy happens between teammates, between bandmates, it's the end. You can't come back from it. So for LeBron James to point out that what makes Anthony Davis the best teammate he's had is that they're not jealous. He's not talking about the fact that he's probably the most talented teammate. Don't at me, Heat fans. I've got Anthony Davis as a better player than Dwayne Wade. I don't know if I'm alone in that take. I have Anthony Davis as a better player than Kyrie Irving. I have Anthony Davis as the best player who LeBron James has ever played with. Coco, what's your view of that, by the way? Do you agree? Okay. Well, he hasn't thought about that. He wants to give it time to see if he agrees that Anthony Davis. So here we go. Anthony Davis then takes the mic and says, you know what? I'm not jealous of him either. 
And I'm not intimidated by him either. What I am is when he does something wrong, I tell him and I'm okay with that. When I do something wrong, he tells me we're okay with that. And we have no issues. And I laughed when I heard that because they're in year one. Very few bands break up in year one. Very few teams break up in year one. How will James and Davis do if they win the title this year? They come back. They win again next year. They come back. They make the finals lose. They've been together three straight years in and out of the COVID bubble. Will that continue? You know that Kyrie Irving wasn't going to let this slide because Kyrie Irving doesn't let anything slide. There is rumors that he was taking shots at LeBron. And he gave a quote. Kyrie Irving, thank you for giving this quote. He said, why must it always be brother against brother? Why? If I'm addressing anyone, I'll say their name. Reminds me of the movie. Call me by my name. With Timothy Chalamet, Army Hammer. Remember that one? Kyrie Irving is exactly right. And I tell you, when Kyrie Irving does things that I don't agree with, I tell you. But when he does things that I do agree with, I'm going to say it. I agree with you. LeBron, name a name. Tell me. Who don't you like playing with? Who is jealous of you? Let's hear it. Have some kahingas instead of just making me guess and wonder whether or not Miami was a sham when you were here for those four years. Believe me, I'm very aware that that was just about business. But I hate that you just confirmed it. Well, we had another bunch of games yesterday in MLB. And uh, we got to start with Fernando Tatis Jr. Did you watch what he did? Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers. Will Myers, the overpaid guy in the Padres, who the Padres were trying to trade to any of the 29 teams while paying 80% of his salary. They could not get one team. And A.J. Preller, the king of the trade, the bad trade, but the king of the signing, the bad signing, the king of the GMs. No, not at all. Holding on to his job by the skin of his chinny chin chin. Kept Will Myers because he had to. Will Myers had a much better first 60 games of this year, which is another way of saying an entire year. And he and Tatis hit two home runs each. First pair of teammates in a postseason game to hit two home runs since Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Holy crap. I had no idea. I would have guessed that someone would have done that since then. The Padres were going to be eliminated if the Cardinals had won. They had Wainwright going, who's the Cardinals' best pitcher. Second best pitcher. They have their best pitcher going in game three tonight, Jack Flaherty. So Tatis hits a home run. The Padres were down in the game. He hits a three-run home run, then a two-run home run. He pimps the home runs. He flips the bat. He's screaming and yelling and excited. He's exactly what we need in baseball. He is enthusiastic. And I kept thinking, Is this the new face of baseball? And then I realized that I had to talk about this. Can Fernando Tatis be the face of baseball? And it's true. Faces of baseball have always been white. Mike Trout, they try to make the face of baseball. There are tremendously good African-American players. Mookie Betts could be the face of baseball. Multiple MVP winner. Great. Best right fielder in the game. Signed for a 12-year deal in the second biggest market, Los Angeles. Jacob DeGrom, not the face of baseball, just a great pitcher. 
Juan Soto, best player in the game for me right now. No mention of him being the face of baseball. Do you think that from a sports standpoint that there's something else going on? That baseball is not willing to embrace Fernando Tatis as the face of baseball. And I'm not saying it's because of his color. What I am saying is the combination of his age, his antics, the willingness of the traditional people in baseball to embrace someone and put all of their marketing behind. They tried it last year when they said, let the kids play. Remember that whole segment, let the kids be kids? Well, the media doesn't let the kids play because every time Tatis swings at a 3-0 pitch or flips his bat, hits a grand slam, he gets crushed, not embraced. What are the risks in the corporate world? The NBA, every face of basketball is a person of color. People of color make up, I don't know, 70 to 75% of the NBA. Is that the reason? Is it a math equation? I am not saying, so do not misunderstand that there is an outward bias that exists in Major League Baseball. Racism. Nope. I'm not saying it's disingenuous what they're trying to do with diversity and inclusion. I'm not saying the Players Alliance, which got a $10 million donation, which is made up of African-American players past and present, is only there for looks. It's all show. What I'm saying is it's worth thinking about when corporations and businesses believe that they have to be woke and they're tired and sleepy. When industries who make their money from people who do see color, what does it take? NASCAR is my prime example. NASCAR woke up because they had to. I was pretty clear when NASCAR got rid of the Confederate flags and when everything happened with Bubba Wallace that everyone was swept up in what's been happening these last five months, these last five years, these last five decades, these last five centuries. When you get swept up and you're running a business, you've got to be looking out for your bottom line. Hard stop. That's your job. Before baseball assigns a face, they've got to make sure that there's buy-in at the ownership level, at the corporate sponsorship level, at the fan level, at the media level, because you need the media to perpetuate who the face of the game is. It's going to take more than a one-game, two-homer performance for Tatis to be the face of the game. Because if Mookie Betts hasn't been able to cross over, then Tatis is not even close. That said, the San Diego Padres are a fun team to watch, and that hurts me to say because of my issue with A.J. Preller, which is business, not personal. Don't know the guy enough. I just know how he acts as GM. It is very important that we watch as this story develops because for baseball to improve its ratings, for baseball's franchise valuations to continue to increase, for baseball to reverse its attendance decline, 
it's got to get younger. It's got to get hipper. And we can't just talk about it. That's a dollar coca. They can't just talk about it. To do it, you've got to embrace and be a buttress for the new generation of players. We always say it. There's always a new generation of players. Maybe baseball will realize with this generation, because it's 2020, with everything that's gone on, we are going to change our approach and we are going to move from Mike Trout, who never plays in October. We are going to find an October hero and we are going to rally behind him even when he flips his back even when he represents everything that we don't like about the way the game is played, even when he's having so much fun. But to do it, the Padres have to win today. A.J. Preller, who's pitching today? They asked the manager, Jace Tingler, hey, who's pitching today? Because Flaherty's going for the Cardinals in game three. And do you know what he said? Bless his soul. He said, I have no idea. We never went into one playoff game not knowing who's going to pitch the next game and the game after that. We knew exactly whether it was an elimination game because we faced elimination games in every series. The Padres have to know they needed to win last night. They did, and they needed to know they're going to play again today. You're right, Clevenger's injured. The Mets injured. I get it. Don't say you have no idea. Say the front office hasn't told me who's pitching yet. That would have been a much more honest response. Who do you got going tomorrow? Mr. Manager Tingler? You know, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to have A.J. Preller tell me who is pitching. And make no mistake, the manager of the Padres is not choosing who starts for the Padres in this deciding third game. I believe you, Jace. I believe you have no idea who's pitching. Well, the good news is you don't have to face Clayton Kershaw. Did you stay up till two in the morning, Coca? I did. Two in the morning. Watching Clayton Kershaw destroy the Brewers. I went on CBS Sports HQ. First question asked. Does this mean that Clayton Kershaw has exercised his demons and he's now a postseason performer? Clayton Kershaw is very famous for being a Hall of Fame regular season pitcher and a Hall of Shame postseason pitcher. He just stinks. Now you can blame it on trash cans. You can blame it on stealing signs, but you can't because it's not just against the Astros. So last night against the Brewers, he goes eight innings, pitch 13 Ks. Did he exercise his demons? The answer is no. You can't have one good game in the wild card. One good game in the wild card against a team that was below 500, a team that can't hit, a team whose best hitter, Christian Yelich, is hitting around the Mendoza line all season long. Shut them out and say, yep, he's back. No, no. Clayton, you've got to win two games in the division series if you're needed twice. Then you've got to win two games in the LCS if you're needed twice. And then you got to get your team a ring short a ring and short you becoming the MVP of the World Series, one postseason game to say nothing of even another deep run by the Dodgers that you're a part of will not exercise or erase what has been your postseason narrative. If you want to rewrite, you start at one game at a time. If you want to rewrite your book, your chapter, your legacy, you started against the Brew Crew, but you got to keep going. 
When we come back, I watched a movie that is not a new movie. It stars my actor and friend, Josh Gad. And I watched it because it's exactly what I needed in a certain headspace. Come on back with us. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back. You know I review a movie or a TV show, watch one every day, doesn't matter. If I'm up till 2 a.m. watching baseball, I will find time to watch a movie every single day or a several episodes of a series. I realized as I went through that I want to support always Josh Gad. Went to the local high school here where my kids went, actually. Great actor. He is a great person. Spent quite a bit of time with him in San Diego at an All-Star game a few years ago and just truly enjoyed it. And I went back and watched a movie that I hadn't seen called Little Monsters. Little Monsters is a movie starring Josh Gad and Lupita Nyong'o, who is a graduate of the Yale Drama School, an Oscar winner. And I thought, I didn't know what the movie was about. The movie is about zombies and kindergarten kids who are taught by Lapita Nwanga, go, who are stuck in a amusement park while zombies try to get them. And Josh Gad plays a character who is Mr. Rogers, basically, except when the camera's off, he turns into the devil. It's a brilliant performance by Josh because what I thought, having watched the trailer before I started the movie, is that Josh Gad played this sort of howdy-doody guy, entertaining the kids. It's the darkest character I've seen him play. When the cameras are off, he hates kids. He's an alcoholic drug addict. He's a sex addict. I'm talking about his character. The name of the character in the movie is so funny. I thought that that was really what he was. It's Teddy McGiggle, but there's no giggles. Once he realizes that he may get eaten by zombies, he turns into this selfish lunatic. And the movie is about Lupita and her kids trying to protect them. Teddy McGiggle playing by Josh Gad, not caring about the kids and trying to protect himself. I laughed. I thought... And I realize why he took that part. And I have a question that I have not, here's a flex, texted him yet. 
That's terrible. I'm going to do a DM publicly. Did he take this part knowing, number one, that it's a movie he couldn't show his kids? I always thought about that with actors. Yeah, I haven't shown my kids. Remember we talked to Tim Matheson on the Samson sit-down? Yeah, I didn't show my kids Animal House for years. Too young. This is not a movie for kids, but it stars kids. This is an adult movie with unbelievably bad language, but I don't mind swearing, as you know. There's no nudity, a lot of drug use, and scary zombies. Not like Zombieland, so it's not funny in that way. It's not like the movie, which, again, I forgot what it's called, with um, Nicholas, oh, God, Jennifer Lawrence's ex-boyfriend, Warm Bodies. It's not like that at all, but it does have zombies. All right, little monsters, if you haven't seen it, don't see it with your kids, but it's worth seeing. Okay, someone asked me to address Francisco Lindor, and I'm going to address him directly right now. He is the shortstop for the Cleveland Indians who were eliminated by the Yankees, swept by the Yankees. The shortstop who, one of the best shortstops in baseball, if not the best, in line for a huge free agent deal when he's a free agent at the end of next season. The Indians, will they trade him? Will they not trade him? Will they sign him? Will they not sign him? It's the talk of Cleveland. It's been the talk of baseball. Well, on his exit, after you lose in the playoffs, you meet the media as the president, the GM, the manager, the players. There's sort of an exit, like an exit physical. The question asked of Francisco Lindor was very simple. Are you going to re-sign with Cleveland? And do you think that Cleveland can afford to sign you. And Lindor's quote was the following. Of course they can. It's a billion dollar team. Well, Francisco, don't you think that COVID could have had a negative economic impact on long-term deals and on baseball deals in general and on the Indians specifically? Answered by Lindor. Did you just see MLB just signed a $3 billion TV contract. Francisco, did you check your pockets for those answers? Did you read them off your phone? Did the union text you what to say? <clears throat> what to say? I'm just curious. Because you obviously didn't listen to nothing personal. The $3 billion TV contract that you're talking about is about an extra $7 million per team maximum. The amount of revenue lost by having no fans so far outstrips the increase in national TV deals. It's not even worth talking about any increase. And this is not being pro owner, folks. This is being pro business. This is explaining to you the truth to you, Lindor, and to the fans of nothing personal and listeners. If your team is worth a billion dollars, let me ask you a very simple question. Let's say you live in a house and you have a house that's worth $300,000 and you want to redo your bathroom because you don't like your toilet seat because it's not heated and your tushy gets cold. You go to the store and you say, hey, Toto, this is Dorothy. I want to buy your heated toilet. Okay, what will you be paying with? Oh. I live in a house that's worth $300,000. Well, is that 
a credit card? Is that cash? Is that certified? Are you, is that Bitcoin? No, no. My house is worth $300,000. That fact and a quarter helps you make a phone call. There is nothing more irrelevant than what the value of the team is. But wait a minute, you're going to say, if you're the owner of the team, go out and borrow money because your team's worth a billion dollars or $2 billion. All right, we're back to the toilet store. I have an idea if you want your Toto toilet, someone says to you, go right now to the bank, borrow the money. Oh, you have a mortgage? Oh, you have other debt? Oh, I'm, I didn't realize that. Wait a minute, you just wanted to buy the Toto toilet because your house was worth $300,000? You're going to have to do better. You're not willing to borrow more money because you have debt and you're not willing to? All right, back to the cold, frozen toilet for you. Both things Lindor said are patently wrong and fallacious, and they are arguments given by the union trying to create a frenzy in the public and in the fans of specific teams thinking that owners are cheap. But it's, again, them not understanding what it means. Just because you're rich or have an asset worth a lot or whatever set of circumstances you want to say, that doesn't talk about current day availability, current day cash flow. It's two different things. And just because you add up the total number of a TV deal over the course of eight years, you can't buy a toilet with that. That's my answer. I'm worked up. Coke, I get worked up. I don't like these quotes. I get get bad memories of having to deal with people who think this way. And then the fans look at it and the fans all of a sudden believe that that's what could happen and should happen. And when it doesn't happen, you get told that you stink at your job. We've never won a World Series. And it's because you weren't willing to borrow money to get the Toto toilet. I'm never doing another parlay, by the way. Ever. Nothing personal pick of the day. The Dodgers won. The Cardinals did not. Apparently, with a parlay, you have to win both sides. That's ridiculous. I'm taking it as a loss. We're 22 and 16. I need to win two. Actually, one to be a touchdown, but I'm giving two picks. You know why? It's the NBA Finals. Why are the Lakers favored by just nine and a half? I don't know if you should fade me or not. Maybe the Heat will come back. I got the Lakers given nine and a half. Take them. What about baseball? I want the Marlins to beat the Cubs. I really do. And I think the Marlins will beat the Cubs. I picked the Marlins in three. I'm sticking to that pick. And in order for the Marlins to win in three, the Cubs have to win game two. The Cubs have their ace, U Darvish. I can't lose this way because if the Marlins win today, they sweep and they go on to play the Braves and I'm happy. If the Marlins lose, we get a game on Saturday, which is very exciting because today's Friday. And I win the pick of the day. Darvish over the Marlins. It's a two o'clock Eastern game. You list right after listening to the show, you can go back and watch it. And then we get the finals. Lakers nine and a half over the heat. Okay, wait to see. It's when I come up with something and I'll tell you if I'm right. I'll tell you if I'm wrong. And then we'll talk about today. Today's wait to see. You see that Doc Rivers signed a five-year contract? Five-year contract. Can you imagine what he did to David Blitzer and Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers and the Devils who tried to buy the Mets? 
They spent one game of the NBA Finals, game one together, watching. Becoming friends, lovers, and countrymen. And he got five years. Coco, when's the last time the Sixers had a coach who lasted five years? Just out of curiosity. Under the Harris-Blitzer regime, has any coach lasted five years? And I'm the guy who always approves contracts for managers knowing they're going to get fired and we're going to have to pay. I was talking about this with somebody. I don't think there was one year out of my 18 that we were paying one manager. I really don't. I think we were always paying more than one manager. Maybe 2004, we were only paying Jack McKeon. I just don't know. Brett Brown, as you know, is the last coach. Oh, my God, Coca. (laughs) Brett Brown did coach for five years. All right, Coca. My point still stays the same, doesn't it? Doc Rivers could be there five years. How do you give a guy five years when you've never lived with him a day in your life? Anyway, we got to wait to see right. We said the Sixers would hire a coach with experience on August 25th, and they did. We said that Doc Rivers would coach in 2021, back on September 29th. And guess what? He will. Yesterday's wait to see as Tanaka would lose to the Indians. Didn't happen. He didn't pitch well, but I still lose that wait to see. On September 16th, 2020, I promised you that there would be upsets in baseball in the first round, and there were. Not all the top four seeds advanced in each league. The minute the Astros swept the Twins, I won that wait to see. So what will I do today? There was another wait to see that I got wrong that Coca is making me tell you. I thought the Steelers and Ravens would, I thought the Steelers and Titans would play their game on Monday or Tuesday. I thought the outbreak would be controlled. The outbreak is not controlled. There is no game this week, Monday or Tuesday. That way to see is wrong. It turns out what they're going to do is they're going to have the Steelers and Titans play week seven in the NFL. And then the Steelers and Ravens will play week seven. How can the Steelers and Titans? Okay, the Steelers and Ravens are going from week seven to week eight. The Steelers and Titans are going to week seven. None of that matters. What matters is I got to wait to see Ron because they're not playing this week because there's an outbreak. What matters is the NFL is now doing what MLB is doing, which is what we told you on nothing personal would happen. They're going to have to be flexible with the schedule. That's how it goes. Okay, wait to see today. Doc Rivers signs for five years with the Sixers. That leaves Mike D'Antoni and Ty Lue as two popular choices for the remaining openings, which are the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, and the Pacers. There's going to be a game of musical chairs. My way to see is Mike D'Antoni will have no choice but to sit out. He is not going to get a job. Ty Lue's already meeting with the Pelicans today. That'd be a great fit for him and Zion. Mike D'Antoni will not get a job and will not coach in 2021 when he was this close. If Balmer had waited five days to fire Rivers, Mike D'Antoni is coaching the Sixers today. And he went from that to bupkis. You know what he said to himself? Damn it. That was business. Have a good weekend, everyone. It's nothing personal. 
an official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.